Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. Today, I'm in conversation with Nani Narayanan Srinivasan, who's the leader of data sciences at Home Union. I've known Nani for over four decades, from the time he was my senior in college, and later on a colleague and a very good friend. His enthusiasm and curiosity are contagious. So in this conversation, Nani talks about his interest in system software, telecom, and R&D, even though he started studying metallurgy and on to being a consultant, understanding domains and solving user problems. He also shares a couple of stories on some things that didn't work or how it was in hindsight, a fairly simple thing to do, but complex challenges that needed to be solved for customers. He also talks about building efficiency in remote teams and his career advice for both people considering a career in IT as well as mid-career professionals. Listen on. Hi, Nani. Welcome to the Software People Stories. Thank you, Shivaguru. Thanks for the opportunity and the interaction. And uh, I like this uh, for two reasons. One, we are catching up after a long time. And the second one is definitely the experience we all have gained would definitely help the next set of people who are actually looking for uh, input from others, right? So from both points of view, I like this session. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, this is you know, one reason, a forced reason in a way for us to connect after a long time. Even mm-hmm. though we've been yes. intending to talk, uh, at least. You know, this Correct. Is, uh, thing. And definitely the other reason also for starting this whole podcast was to share our experience, some things that you know, we learned the hard way or we you know, found something useful, which could be useful for say, others. You know, many times right. you find that you know, people go through similar learnings and stuff like that. So a good place to start would be your origin story. You know, how did you get into IT and uh, how has your career trajectory been? And we can take it from there. Sure, yeah. Um, I did actually metallurgy, uh, bachelor, bachelor's degree in uh, metallurgy from Indian Institute of Science. As part of doing that in the last uh, year, that is a three-year three course that it was. And as part of the course, the last year I was given an assignment to do blast furnace construction in a methodical algorithmic way. That was given to me as a challenge by my guide, uh, Dr. Lahiri, Professor Lahiri. And uh, so that that got me into programming. And uh, ASE had uh, IBM 360 computer then, and uh, so I learned Fortran programming. And I have a friend uh, uh, who was also instrumental in essentially triggering me or guiding me and or directing me into making me interested in computing. I'm sure you know him. His name is Gopal Swami Ramesh. And, uh, and between uh, Ramesh and I, we, on our own, we started getting interest into automata theory. And, uh, and with the blast furnace uh, construction, 
modeling as well as algorithm, the automata theory, I, it essentially uh, evinced interest in computing. So that's how I, my interest was, though I did metallurgy, I got into computing, though I did not have a formal degree then in computing when I was doing metallurgy. Then uh, I got into postgraduate master's in uh, computer science from IIT Chennai. So I applied for it and I got it. And uh, that actually put me into computing path. And uh, that's a simple starting uh, story, how we got into computing. And uh, even today, the, the development, the uh, uh, direction computer science has taken, it really is mind boggling. And uh, in terms of the development of various algorithms and models and the application of those in varieties of industries, verticals, and uh, the language development to bring in process efficiency and automation, et cetera, it all boils down to the original uh, thinking that went on into theoretical computing. Yeah, nice, interesting, because we have, I mean, G. Ramesh was a guest a few weeks earlier. Okay. Uh, it was also very difficult to get him. We were planning it for a long time. And it was, again, a very interesting conversation, somewhat of nostalgia and what he's doing now, etc. So after this, you got into, at least with Tata's, right? mm -hmm. yes. and then, um, yeah, we also had the opportunity to work on some projects. But right. I still remember that you were working on some very interesting projects. Right. So what has been your own learning journey in terms of the roles you played or the kind of you know, technologies that you had to say learn and master? Uh, how sure. has that journey been? Okay. So it's a, an interesting question also. Uh, in terms of when I did the uh, master's, a uh, couple of profs uh, essentially mentioned if you if you want to really stick to uh, industry, then you have to learn um, COBOL programming or you have to go to the pure uh, R&D locations where you have to deal with what you are really aspiring to be in terms of generating, creating models and algorithms and uh, interesting computing, uh, et cetera. So from day one, I brainwashed myself to be into essentially the R&D side of computing, uh, system software, system technology. Telecom was not that prevalent at that time. Uh, it was in a very nascent native state. I, internet was also not very prevalent uh, because dot-com did not exist at that time. Uh, so telecommunication system software, uh, both interested me, both topics. So I pursued that even after joining Tata's as my career, I, I wanted to be in those areas rather than doing nothing to do, nothing wrong with uh, COBOL programming then. Uh, but I essentially steered myself away from getting into COBOL programming more into, I got more into system software side and telecommunication side. And that from then on, one thing led to the other. And uh, I got into some interesting projects. And as part of, uh, as a curiosity, I developed into understanding operating systems, how they are, uh, they have been created, compiler construction, how the thought process that went in, et cetera. And uh, some of our uh, interesting clients uh, they uh, were actually interested in doing a real-time takeover of uh, systems. And uh, those days, the concept of 
uh, hard backup and a hard system takeover they were not prevalent at that time so but there was a need for a client at the time and uh, one thing led to the other and uh, so i got involved in one of the projects where uh, two uh, major operating system uh, major burroughs computers were independently running and they were they had to be taking over each other if one detects that other one goes down so that was a good r&d project that gave me insight into uh, the operating system side of i mean how it is constructed and how the thought process went into and uh, we successfully implemented that also and uh, the client was very very happy at that time because it's something which is out of the way into normal programming side it's in more of into system side and then i got into from there uh, because i was dealing with the operating system and so on some other client actually is out of the blue call since hey i we need uh, there's a problem with one of the uh, customers and uh, it had to be solved immediately and uh, come and take a look at it and uh, uh, resolve it and then that was more, much simpler than the patching operating system project oh, okay <laughs> so i got in then it was a banking client so i got into banking side and i understood my mind uh, uh, went into okay so now this is a, a situation where customer is in trouble and i am solving it so i should understand what the customer business is also i mean how it is going etc so I, i started learning banking so that's how i got into banking side oh, nice and uh, that was also an interesting project from there i went into multiple consulting into multiple client locations every time i got into a mixer of not just only doing a business app i got into the opportunity into dealing with the system and operating system messaging software and telecommunications and so on that's how i evolved my experience it was very interesting journey for me and uh, with me uh, people who were involved with me also uh, we all enjoyed uh, the whole thing together dealing with those yeah interesting see one uh, question that i have is that when you are working with system software i'm kind of trying to oversimplify that it is all about intellectual work which you can do alone or it is about uh, the internals of computers and how they work etc but when you said that you also learned banking you also needed to understand the business side mm-hmm. that is about dealing with people dealing with how they are actually going to use it etc so do you have two different modes of thinking in approaching these kinds of needs and solving problems or is there something that works across any domain or any kind of problem domain yeah it's a good question um, bottom line lcd lowest common denominator is the level of kind of thinking required in both cases okay there is something called i'm just using the word here for the discussion um, something called uh, strategic thinking the other one is called practical implementation Uh, right doesn't matter what you take even if you take a piece of coding you have to do you have to think very what i'm doing here why i'm doing here what is going to be the benefit if that is understood that's the lowest common uh, aspect of it the analysis uh, the analytical thinking that goes in so it doesn't matter which side of whether you are in system side or in the business uh, side uh, solving problems the fundamental thinking had to be the same the, the way you apply that kind of thinking into solving the problem would be different that's where the the experience will come the way the system side will work will be different to the way the business side will work you are you are making a good point 
the business side is involving people process and the technology whereas on the system side it's mainly based on technology and uh, the processes running inside the tech, uh, inside the system uh, software so people may not be involved in that process only the development team will be involved but not the actual end user end user is actually consumer of the system software so that but fundamentally the thinking is all the same but you should have the ability to switch between isolating and uh, solving a problem and solving at the root grassroots level versus you are solving a problem for in a business process in a technology used by a set of people so you have to think about that and then see whether i'm making it easy for them whether i'm bringing efficiency for them whether i'm bringing cost effectiveness in the implementation all those things need to be considered so yeah are there any techniques or practices that probably you have evolved over time that help you in doing this in terms of uh, the business side uh, implementations or system software implementations yeah you mentioned multiple things one is about the strategic versus tactical or operational thinking mm-hmm. thinking at uh, those different levels and of course the blend of the business side and the technology side how do you switch between these modes of thinking yeah good question the strategic thinking leave that aside for a second i'll come back to that uh because not everyone not every body would actually get involved in okay let me start with the strategy and then go and implement something it will never happen it's very rare but in in coming up with the uh, on the business side before undertaking any piece of work either given to you or you are actually going to give it to somebody else or you are dealing with it directly why that is needed for the business okay maybe we will get into the discussion later on because there's a lot of money that's being wasted in terms of not understanding what the business needs that's a fundamental thing one has to look into before you even start writing a line of code or writing a line of specification why it is being done and what is it going to be whether it's going to be helping people helping the process and i may develop i will it result in a good technology development where very little rework and cost will get sunk into the technology those so if you put them all them together they are that's the strategic thinking okay in a, in a minor way so you start with that why am i doing this what am i doing this for rather than if uh, i'm uh, uh, working in a, as a programmer in a in a larger company and uh, some my supervisor is coming and giving to me a piece of uh, saying hey hey you, you have to get it done yes you have to do that because supervisor is telling you but why are you doing that if you understand that then you develop the business aspects of why you are doing and that, that will lead to understanding the business slowly and uh, then over a period of time you will solve business problems fundamentally you have to understand what why you are doing so related thing you also mentioned that you played a role of a consultant so many times a consultant is expected to fly in solve the problem so there is a lot of time pressure in not only understanding the problem but also the business context or the situation which either led to the problem or what would be an optimal solution for them how do you handle that kind of constraint on time while still having to think strategically technically business wise and everything else and come up with a solution that 
will at least solve the problem and also you know, meet the goals. Consultants are of two types. One is if you take the uh, business side, business consultants, a lot of companies will uh, go and make recommendations to the client and then they will walk away because they, they would not implement it. They will implement it for somebody else. There are other type of consultants is more of a technology consulting where you take that output from those business consultants and then implement, translate that into uh, technology, right? In a lot of cases, because there is no, uh, I don't want to call it lack of ownership. It's lack of, that's not the direction. The business consulting output from the business consulting may or may not be implemented in a very cost-effective way. So the type of consulting that's required to solve a technology problem in a practical way would be slightly different to the hands of uh, consulting. So the very fundamental rule, again, going back to in a, now this time in a new way is you have to understand why you are doing this, what is the benefit that's going to be for the uh, business. And if I actually make uh, further uh, recommendations to change the system or I change the system or I have a team of people changing the system, what is the output is going to be? Because what happens, you may actually, again, in this case also, you can just launch something and then uh, walk away as a consultant, but somebody else has to deal with it. And uh, if they get the satisfaction of what you have produced as a consultant, uh, delivered as a consultant, there's nothing that, like that. That joy is the best one can get, get as a consultant. So if I fly into a customer location, first I will try to understand why, what the customer is all about, why are they trying to, what kind of problem they are in, and why, uh, how we should solve it will come later. First of all, understanding what will actually have to come first before how to solve it. Yeah, that that's seems... the, that's the yeah that's the bit of consultant. <laughs> so okay, yeah, that seems simple, but I'm sure. It requires a lot of experience or be able to adjust the context and so on. So do you have any horror stories? Not necessarily very negative kind of stories, but at least the learnings. Sometimes what probably appears obvious and you try to solve it and then you realize that the problem is actually much deeper or the decisions that you take may need to be revisited because some context change either over time or even before you complete the assignment because you didn't have the full information when you started. Sure, yes, several. But one thing I'll, because I mentioned uh, the uh, takeover of two different systems and uh, the SLA at that time was, it had to be switched when one system takes over from the other, the backup takes over from the primary, it had to be done within 30 seconds for the backup to become the uh, primary and vice versa. We thought it's a piece of cake because uh, we understood the operating system, how it behaves, et cetera, right? So we created a piece of construct, a script, uh, which would actually go and external from outside, you give the a command and it will go and start killing the processes one by one on the primary and then fire up on the backup. What we did not realize is uh, well, it worked in the in the smaller way, uh, ten or fifteen processes time. But when you have a mainframe running thousand processes, 
when you start killing them, the process actually to get rid of the process operating system itself will compete with the other process. <laughs> so it will never get done in 30 seconds. You'll get into race condition or deadlock mm -hmm. conditions. So system will never take over in 30 seconds. So it was taking you an hour and a half. And that was a nightmare because it was snowing and uh, it was an acceptance that was going on. And uh, the CIO of the customer, he said, he gave up and said, no, this is not going to work. You guys solve it. Come back to the solution. If you had to go live, otherwise we'll cancel the contract. That was a very dangerous position. We were in at three o'clock in the morning. It was <laughs> snowing. It was damping snow outside. And it was the worst snowy condition, uh, even if we had to get out. Then... And there was one more uh, Khalib, uh, very close friend of mine. He was also working with me at the time. And so we put our heads together and then we said, okay, we'll go back to the, our offices and then come back within 72 hours. And, and then we realized that there is a different method, not by actually creating racing condition, but you follow a different method whereby you can clear, you get everything cleared in within a fraction of a second. We solved that problem. And customer was so happy and he did not expect that that we would solve the problem. The only reason we could is because we understood how the operating system was constructed. Mm, nice. That helped us because understanding the the theory behind and how it was built and constructed really helped in that situation. It's a very horror situation for us at that time because it was a, a huge dollar contract which would have been in jeopardy. Mm. And uh, yeah. so... Everyone was happy in the end. Within, and we did it in um, maybe 48 hours. We solved it. Oh, nice. Probably one of those examples of uh, what normally used to be called as RTFM. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Many times we probably read, but don't really understand the nuances. Correct. And then suddenly in hindsight, it uh, yeah, is a revelation. Now, there was one more instance where uh, this is uh, for the banking client. We were actually... Uh, installing the network and uh, in those days there was no uh, TCP IP or there was no it was a basic polling protocol on a on a normal uh, copper wire and so you have different locations like 250 300 uh, no not sorry maybe 50 to 100 locations of branches where several workstations were there terminals were there and uh, they have to be uh, up and running and constantly the reaction time for a screen and the keyboard reaction time for a screen had to be within seconds. So there was a protocol, networking protocol that was pulling every station and then round robin basis. So every terminal will get a chance after the other 299 terminals got pulled. Right? Again, the customer was very upset because the people have to wait for at least two or three seconds before they could even transmit. Then we put our heads together and solve the problem by uh, having different kind of uh, protocol implementation. That was, we were able to solve it. And that again, the customer was very, very happy at that time. And it's at the telecommunication level. Nice. It was a nightmare for us because every time, I, um, even to press, when I press A, to get the reaction back on A, it will take two seconds, which is not well, healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, you use the term supervisor about supervisor telling you what to do in an earlier context. But nowadays, the way teams are developing software is more like a team sport, where yes, you do have somebody who knows a lot more or who can be the guide. But in terms of teamwork, in terms of being able to take ownership, 
and still have the flexibility to take decisions as you go along. Uh, what are some models that you have seen working or what are some things that you would recommend as uh, effectively scalable teams working on a common solution? So it depends on the type of the, the need, actually. If you're developing, a, anything can be seen as I'm developing a product, but then if you're developing a product in a startup company, it's a, it's a, that approach would be slightly different to the development of an application module in a larger company versus the development of the entire application in a larger company, okay? So depending on the type of interaction required, in an established company, each company will have, each uh, organization will have its own processes, system development processes and uh, methodology. So one has to fit in with anybody, any team, a supervisor or uh, a team working together, they have to fit in. And if they all understood saying, this is how the application gets developed in an organization, then the entire team will be productive. I'll come to that in the, the next layer in a second. Then in a product development shop, the product idea is thought together. Whoever starts a company, a CTO or uh, uh, the founders of the company will have an idea of a product because they see the industry need and they are trying to solve some business problem uh, and uh, they know they can actually get something going so that either they, they become a unicorn, that's their dream, right? When you start a company or take over by somebody else. But in the whole process, I develop a product. So that would be a smaller team and all the team members will put their heads, heads together and uh, they would have, it's like a scrum. They would have an understanding of how to deal with every other player in the scrum, how to pass the ball from one to the other and uh, then get it done. So there'll be a common understanding. And in the past, there were a lot of kinds of names given for the kind of uh, uh, programming, but it's essentially uh, nowadays, uh, it's essentially a sprint within which members will be working together to reach a common goal. And there'll be a scrum and, and scrum team, scrum meeting or scrum discussion. And every member in the team will have a common understanding of what that output is going to be achieving at the end of the sprint and working towards that. So, and uh, you can apply the same model to the application development also, except that you may have to involve a lot more departments, a lot more people in a large organization. So it may become, uh, kind of difficult to manage. So then there'll be higher level processes put in place where, hey, the uh, scrum kind of discussion may or may not result in a good documentation. So you have to have a mixer of the old type of waterfall model versus the sprint planning scrum model in between you have to have. So if there is a documented specifications or requirements, then everybody can follow that by reading that, by understanding that. So it's a question of whether you have anything documented or not is where the differentiation will come in, in terms of large team, small team, how it's going to be discussed, implemented, et cetera. So a related aspect when you talk about teamwork is also the culture of the team and the organization. Correct. And uh, in your case, I know that you have shifted continents. Mm -hmm. You've worked in multiple continents. And of course, you're working with global teams 
which also adds to the same aspect of having people with different backgrounds different cultures and so on right right so what do you think is the influence of this kind of diversity or this kind of uh, variations that you have and how could one still be productive as a team see what the question is you're posing is very relevant to right now what's going on with covid also even within the same team the mm. teams are now distributed they are remote so the question is very relevant to uh, if i actually uh, rephrase it how to deal uh, how to bring efficiency with the remotely distributed teams is what i think you are heading to your in your question if i am right both I mean that adds another layer you added one more mine was even yeah. more basic in terms of mm-hmm. in a team when it is not that the members are not with the same homogeneous background cultural background mm-hmm. whether in terms of uh, their uh, countries where they are located or even their own approach to you know, how things work yeah uh, i've seen some styles of working changing from country to country you know what you find in the us versus europe versus you know, far east versus australia and all that so since you have experience in multiple of these geographies i just want to know what has been your experience of let's say when you were a new member in a team in a new country or continent how did you get integrated or what were the challenges that you might have faced and now in your role when you are running teams what are some things that you do to help the teaming aspect you know quicker and effective okay and of course you have now the distributor the uh, i call it the dispersed mode of working yeah so when when i started initially uh, i had the luxury of co-located teams i mean all the team members were in one location though they came from even within uh, i'm quoting the country india here even within india uh, we are, uh, we all come from multiple states we don't speak the same language and we don't eat the same Uh, one kind of food because every region has different kinds of food so we come from different backgrounds and understanding uh, uh, again uh, the mutual understanding of the communication which is one language which helped us all of us was english i don't know hindi for example english was the only language i could communicate with others uh, so that common understanding english uh, uh, helped us in a co-located team to get into knowing each other and then being productive and the uh, same thing uh, when i had uh, non indian members in my team and again the same thing the common communication was english and there was a process or methodology put in place so and if there is a lack of something that is that is there in the, in the process then we could create a new plug the hole and get it done there was a common understanding because of co-location right now once that initial understanding is there exists then if that person gets late transferred from let's say uh, los angeles to let's say detroit now you have already established the connection and the rapport with that person and it's a question of using the same person in detroit so that distance factor except that when you have you may have to get up early morning or uh, he may have to get up uh, or stay late in the night to talk to you because you are in pacific etc 
removing that factor out because it's part of doing uh, work in business because you had created a rapo understanding of what nani needs and what uh, joblo can deliver and vice versa that helped quite a lot same thing if from my team if somebody went back to india that level of understanding because this is what nani would be looking for and uh, this is what uh, i am looking for from joblo from india uh, that understanding was perfect and because of distance separation uh, there will be inefficiency that would be addressed as part of rework because of distance separation rework will be a lot more mm-hmm. so if that is understood uh, and uh, we find a ways and means to reduce rework yeah then the productivity will will not suffer so to go back to that okay now if the entire team is distributed then there are in the in the in the pre in the uh, <clears throat> olden days there there are not distributed uh, software development available so you have to write it in a piece of paper as a, a document or design document or architecture document or specification or requirement whatever and then you have to ship it over nowadays there are tools available and uh, so which help doesn't matter where i am uh, i can actually use the tool to understand what needed to be done and if i am participating in a scrum with the tool that actually reduces the communication gap so whether i am whether my staff or i am in russia or india or us or my staff is in um, ukraine or south america doesn't matter we have for example in my current situation i have teams all over the world 24 by 7 they are they are working and I, there is a common goal of understanding as to what time everybody majority people will be available and then work towards that and you get it done so it's a question of give and take and this question of understanding the need again going back to what the business needs and if that is understood and the domain specific aspects you need to put into your design development and uh, even software if that is understood by whoever is in the team the retraining and uh, reworking all those will slowly come down over a period of time i don't know that i'm actually giving you a very straightforward answer it's a question of understanding what the team needs wonder what understanding business needs and understanding how each one interpersonally operate and then work there is a uh think of producing results with others there used to be a company called trackcom traycom okay. and they used to have a pro style model mm-hmm. and uh, so if that model is even whether you are remote or next to each other that's equally applicable and uh, producing results with others i think okay. that had to be uh, inculcated into the modern software development as to how to produce results with others because each not everybody is the same not everybody is a robot or automaton or clone of each other if that is understood by everybody in the team uh, then productivity will will not suffer i think this is a very very important topic and then this uh, point these pointers will definitely be very useful uh, i didn't realize that we've already been talking for a while i okay. normally like to you know conclude the conversations with uh, some career advice okay uh, for two segments of people one those who are considering a career in it is there still a future in it or what should they do to get prepared for a career in it and the second is for people who are going through let's say a decision time in their careers uh, typically in the mid 
to sometimes even uh, senior uh, roles as to what they should do or how they can choose what they should plan for in terms of uh, people coming out of colleges uh, the career tips so the for the next 10 years the uh, entire uh, technology space is evolving into data science and uh, security cyber security and then bio so a combination of bio studies with data science would be one approach whereby you can get into uh, either data science and analytics uh, career uh, or programming uh, or software development within that space uh, the other side is uh, if you really want to go into real challenging technology consulting uh, or software services role security is a place uh, in terms of the data science where it is today is in terms of where internet was 10 15 years back internet was a new thing people not everybody was afraid of at the same time everybody wants to because the glamour to go after internet terminology and so on so companies spanned dot com spanned right now it's it's, it's there embedded you and i now are talking through <laughs> the same internet backbone Yeah. Similarly, the data science as a as a technique is will be embedded. It's getting embedded very fast. AI is put in on top of that, so it will be given as a layer in everything we do, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, it will be. So make hay while the sun shines, because data science analytics, business analytics will be embedded like internet was ten years back. into everything we do security would be another is evolving it's challenging with every technology changing network changing the uh, security uh, evolves and becomes complicated cyber security specifically so if somebody understands and uh, the nuances they can make a fantastic career out of that so those are the areas beyond that if you really want, are interested in i like programming and i like coding and so on there are uh, new languages new things that are getting developed constantly so if you know python if you know kotlin java they are there prevalent everywhere so would be fine and because they are, python is definitely now an r for data science and python for data science and web development if somebody wants to start in programming those are the areas where you can get into okay, now for the middle career you try to first of all best uh, suggestion i would give would be understand what the business is doing understand the business side and then go with the flow of the business what happens is in everything you do make sure that the revenue side is not affected for the business as long as you contribute to the revenue side of the business your career would be on the right path Okay. Yeah, that's good. At least reassuring that whether you are starting now or in mid-career, there is still a long runway in terms of good future in IT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Okay, yes. Yeah, because technology is is needed. It's not technology is not dead. It's evolving. Mm. The uh, one of my friends uh, would say uh, the general ledger, account receivable, account payable. 
the the need still exists it's all the old wine getting rebottled in a new bottle constantly whether mm-hmm. it is departmental computing mainframe computing or uh, terminal computing or uh, internet computing still the need is there need exists so technology need will always exist to solve business problems yeah thanks nani on that note thank you we just have about time for this conversation uh, thanks yeah. a lot for uh, sharing sure. your experience your story sure. i know that uh, there are a lot of other interesting stories maybe we'll catch up on that next time sure yeah okay yeah okay thank you We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast@pm-powerconsulting.com.